Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. A big one has landed on Netflix this weekend. I've got a review of The Haunting of Bly Manor. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. The spooky theme continues with Adam Sandler's new movie. I've got a review of Hubie Halloween. Plus... I went on a bit of a true crime kick watching an amazing documentary called American Murder. And then I dove back into Unsolved Mysteries. The Haunting of Bly Manor is now available on Netflix. It's the follow-up to 2018's The Haunting of Hill House, which was based on the book by Shirley Jackson, which I actually went out and bought soon after that series debuted, and then uh, never read it. It's been sitting on my coffee table for two years. I swear, I'm going to read it one day, but I don't know when that day is. Now, that series was good and scary, like nightmare fuel scary at times. It's the kind of stuff, Jeff, that would probably put you into uh, some sort of an institution for the rest of your oh life. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that's not happening. Yeah. And, <laughs> not uh, for me. It was a little confusing at times, and I seem to remember being a bit disappointed at the resolution. But ultimately, the overall experience was an entertaining and frightful delight. This is a new chapter in the Haunting Anthology series, and it revolves around... Bly Manor and the lives of its inhabitants, both living and dead. I've seen things. It's like I'm in hell. The people here. They're born here. I don't know if the tune in that clip, by the way, sounded familiar at all to you, Jeff. Uh, it was a take on Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. Oh, yeah, it did sound familiar. Yeah, I remember when I first watched the trailer, I was trying to get, I was trying to, you know, pay attention to the trailer, but I, all I could think about was, what song is this? To the point where I had to pause it <laughs> and Google it. So Google this it. Yep. is based on something called The Turn of the Screw, which was a novella. I'm just pulling the details up on that from 1898 a horror novella by Henry James. It actually first appeared in serial format in Collier's Weekly Magazine uh, in October 1898. It then appeared in The Two Magics, which was a book published by Macmillan in New York City and uh, Heinemann in London. I'm just reading the Wikipedia page. Classified as both gothic fiction and a ghost story, it focuses on a governess caring for two children at a remote estate, and she becomes convinced that the grounds are haunted. So this is kind of one of the, it's like a classic go-to ghost story. It's been adapted into a number of movies, uh, I think most notably, or not most notably, but notably for me, given who started it. I'm pretty sure the uh, there was a movie called The Others starring Nicole Kidman, yes, in 2001. So it's not an adaptation, pardon me, but it oh. has uh, some themes in common with it. But it's a, it's inspired many stories on TV and in film. Someone told me the plot about The Others, and I thought that was interesting, but again... Not so interesting that I wanted to be scared enough to watch it. So some of the same actors are back because it's an anthology series. A lot of these 
anthology shows will use the same actors, like American Horror Story, I think kind of set that benchmark. So some of the same actors are back, including Carla Gugino. You heard her voice in that first clip. She was the, uh, the narr- She's acting kind of as the narrator, the person recounting this story, which is set in the 80s, primarily in the 80s. It's nine episodes. This was a touching and moving story with excellent performances, uh, really tragic performances as well, because for a lot of these characters, they were just as much being haunted by their own ghosts and their own demons, whether it's because of shame or guilt or self-loathing. So some of the ghosts, quote-unquote, that we see on screen are actually just figments of their imagination, but you don't really know. Like, it's hard to tell at first which is which. But... As far as I'm concerned, this series, this Bly Manor series, is a bit of a letdown because it's just not scary, even though it sounds scary. You okay, Jeff? getting a little nervous but i'm okay for now (laughs) no more clips no No, that's it for the clips yeah like it just wasn't scary i kept waiting for the payoff because hill house and i gotta go i would probably have to go back and watch this to confirm but i seem to remember being scared within the first five minutes and i know a lot of people might say why why do you want to be scared well that's the fun right it's part of the fun I, i enjoy the horror genre because it makes me feel alive and it gives me a jolt, even though it might haunt me or whatever and make me afraid of the dark for a little while. It's, I, I enjoy it. It's fun. So, and I, from what I can tell, that seems to be the common, I wouldn't say complaint. In my case, it's a complaint, but like uh, looking at this, the summary on RottenTomatoes.com, it may not be as scary as its predecessor, but with plenty of spooky tricks inside its haunted halls and a strong sense of heart, The Haunting of Bly Manor is another solid entry into Mike Flanagan's Growing horrorography. That's a mouthful. Is it gross? Is it gross and gory? No, not at all. The first one, I'm trying to remember if it had anything gross. I think there maybe have, there were a couple of gross images, but nothing gory from what I recall. And there was none, none of that in this. Like I said, this just was not scary to me. The things that were supposed to be jump scary there were a couple of things that startled me, but nothing scared me. So by the end, I was disappointed because I thought, okay, I'm, I'm two episodes in. I'm not scared yet. Three episodes in. Come on. What are, what are you getting to the scares? I got invested in the story. Great characters. Great story. Just no scares. So you're going to market yourself. You're going to call yourself the haunting of Bly Manor, I expect to be haunted. So all in, I'd give it three and a half couch cushions out of five. I would point out 88% on Rotten Tomatoes as of Thursday afternoon when we are recording this. And again, this drops on Netflix on the weekend. Thanks, by the way, to Netflix for providing us with preview access to stuff like this. A lot of my friends and colleagues have been jealous as I've been telling them, oh yeah, I'm watching that Bly Manor. What? How do you get to watch that? Well, you know, couch potatoes. In a moment, we'll continue the Halloween theme, at least for the first half of this episode, because Jeff saw something fun and scary 
It's an Adam Sandler movie on Netflix. That sounds scary enough to me. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We're still talking about Halloween stuff. Brett told us about The Haunting of Bly Manor. And uh, just to refresh us, Brett, what did you give The Haunting of Bly Manor? Haunting of Bly Manor, three and a half couch cushions out of five. Great story, great performances. Awesome sets. Forgot to mention that. Like, this is a nifty-looking show. But it wasn't scary, like, at all. So, yeah, I'm disappointed. (laughs) All right, well, uh, if you're looking for laughs instead of scares, you might want to try this one. Adam Sandler has a new Netflix movie this week to help kick off the spooky season. It's called Hubie Halloween. It's Halloween, Evie. Danger is afoot. I'm going to make sure every citizen in this town is protected. What is that, monitor? Looks like you made that sash from one of your mother's scarves. (laughs) (laughs) There's something off in this town. We got an untold mystery here. I say Marco, you say Polo. Marco! Weirdo! The police department is advising everyone to stay home and lock their doors. (laughs) What are we screaming at? Now, I don't know if Adam Sandler's movies are suddenly getting better again, or maybe I'm lowering my standards. This guy had like a 15-year run of almost unwatchable movies. Jack and Jill, Click, Blended. It's been a very spotty track record for years, but lately he's kind of been on fire. Uncut Gems was terrific. That was, you know, him acting in a dramatic role in a quote-unquote real movie. But even last year's Murder Mystery with uh, Sandler and Jennifer Aniston was pretty entertaining. I know I went in with low expectations, but I was very pleasantly surprised. And Hubie Halloween is the same. It's pretty much the water boy meets canteen boy. It's Adam Sandler playing a gentle simpleton, complete with that weird expression and childlike voice that he does so well. And it's still funny. Not only is he bringing that act back, Hubie Halloween sort of feels like a, a greatest hits collection of Sandler's entire movie career. The cast is stacked with his friends, family, and co-stars from previous movies. Julie Bowen, Kevin James, Steve Buscemi, Rob Schneider, Tim Meadows, Maya Rudolph, all co-star, as do Ray Liotta, Michael Chiklis, and June Squibb as his mother. She's great, by the way. There's a running joke where she gets T-shirts from the thrift store that are emblazoned with very dirty joke phrases that she doesn't understand. There are also a couple of very fun cameos, including one from Happy Gilmore in the very first scene, which is actually worth watching even if you don't want to watch the whole movie. Uh, So what's the movie about? Well, Sandler plays... Hubie Dubois, a deli worker from Salem, Massachusetts, who lives with his mom and claims to have a girlfriend in Canada, northern Canada, Ontario to be specific. That made me laugh. Um, he's also the self-appointed Halloween safety officer in his town, but no one respects him or the work he's trying to do. He literally bikes around town and people yell at him and throw garbage at him or eggs at him or <laughs> cinder blocks at him. And even though he's, what, like 50? He still gets bullied by the same people that bullied him in high school, including Ray Liotta, Tim Meadows, and Maya Rudolph. And he still carries a torch for Violet Valentine, the high school high school uh, hottie who's now a diner waitress with three kids. She's played by Julie Bowen, and Violet is the only person in town who is actually nice to Hubie, except for his mom. His mom's nice to him, too. Again, that's June Squibb, and she tries to encourage Hubie to stand up to his bullies, but Hubie's a scaredy cat, and he just takes the abuse, so you feel bad for him at times, but a lot of the time, it's just 
so silly that you can't really take it to heart. And he really is a scaredy cat. He shrieks in terror constantly, and it's uh, never not funny. The Dubois also get a new neighbor, played by Steve Buscemi, who seems to be hiding a dark secret. There's also an escaped violent patient from the nearby mental institution on the loose in town. And people start disappearing. We see shots of the culprit's POV through their mask as they descend on their unwitting victims. And Hubie's caught up in all of it. He's trying to save the town from a Halloween nightmare. He goes to the police. He doesn't get a lot of help from officers Kevin James and Keenan Thompson, but they soon can't ignore all the spooky stuff going on. There are a lot of twists and turns, and there's actually a lot of dirty jokes nothing very explicit though it's a pg-13 rating on netflix and um so i think you know except for very little kids i think everyone the whole family can sort of watch this i know as a teenager i don't think i'd want to watch a movie with my parents that had a lot of dirty jokes in it that would just be embarrassing but i watch it by myself and i had a great time watching it i didn't want to it's you know i was I was trying to resist it a little bit because it's too dumb to laugh at, I was telling myself, but I ended up laughing anyways. I also sort of figured out the ending before it happened, which is rare for me, and I usually consider that a failing on the movie's part if dumb old me can figure it out. But it also hit a lot of buttons for me that I like. Firstly, you know, the weird nostalgia for the old Adam Sandler movies that this can't help but bring up with its cast of familiar faces. I also love it when a movie or show is set in one night in a small town or the suburbs. There's just something kind of cozy about that setup. Everyone knows everyone, so there's a, a tight-knit aspect to the stories. Uh, and I've also always, you know, had a crush on Julie Bowen, so that didn't hurt either. Overall, got to say, I do recommend it. It's a fun Halloween movie if you can handle some very stupid comedy. I would assume most people have already formed some sort of a strong opinion about Adam Sandler. If you've always hated him, I would say steer clear, and you probably would without me telling you. If you've loved every movie he's ever done, you're obviously on board for this. But if, like me, you enjoyed his earlier work in the 90s, and his occasional foray into dramatic acting, but haven't watched a Sandler comedy since, like, Big Daddy or something, then I'd say give it a shot. If you don't laugh in the first 15 minutes, turn it off because it won't get any better for you, but you never know. You might like it. It's it's not in danger of winning any awards or anything. It's just fun and silly fun, and I will give Hubie Halloween three couch cushions out of five. Brett? Three couch cushions out of five for Hubie Halloween. Yeah, I was looking That's at- pretty good. A movie that stupid to get three out of five, that's like, uh, you know, five out of five on a real movie. <laughs> okay, yeah, like I was on the, the the Rotten Tomatoes on that, I think, was... Hang on it's climbing. It was 44 an hour ago, and now it's 48, so... Oh, yeah? Like, as we oh. record this, reviews are coming in, so it's hard to measure it right now. Oh, I've got 46%, so it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down... Uh, let's see how this horse race turns out over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's uh, when you watch an Adam Sandler movie, that is not <clears throat> that that's a comedy you know what you're signing up for, right? Like if you go yeah, in yeah. expecting greatness, you can't expect that. That that would be on you. So, um, and just looking at what else Netflix has uh, to offer this week, uh, still with the Halloween theme, I see there's something called Super Monsters. Dia de los Monsters, a Halloween installment of the animated series about kids who are the children of famous monsters. So that sounds like it could be fun. Uh, there's a Fast and Furious thing here, Jeff. There's a, The animated one? Yeah. Yeah. Spy Racers yeah. Season 2 Rio, animated series spun off from the Fast and Furious movie franchise where the cousin of the Vin Diesel character has been recruited into a group of fast-driving spies. And this season, they drive fast in Brazil. (laughs) 
And uh, awesome. then there's also something called Deaf U, which is a documentary series about students at Gallaudet University, the Washington, D.C. School for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing. Okay, Brett, now that we are into October, Halloween's just three weeks away, do you... Are you going to watch a bunch of scary movies in the next few weeks? Is that your thing every October? I say that every year I should do that. I should watch some scary movies, but then I don't, because uh, partly because I just don't have the time, because I watch a lot of television. I wish I had the nerve to rewatch a couple of the Scream movies. I, I did really enjoy them, but I also had nightmares for weeks afterwards, so I don't want to put myself through that, but I do want to see them again. Okay, Scream, yeah, I haven't watched those movies in a while. I have them on DVD. I think I have the first three. It sort of came in one of those gift packages where all three movies right. were in. Uh, this was before Scream Four came out, but they're all they're in like just the the standard four three aspect ratio. Uh, no thanks, I can't bring myself to watch that. That first one especially. That is an all time classic. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a scary movie guy, but I really enjoyed that movie. It was fun and entertaining, but just a bit too scary and a bit too gross. And uh, I, I was so upset with what happened to Fonzie in that movie. Up next, I got to tell you about an amazing documentary that I watched this week, and I think you should watch it too. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Now I want to tell you about something Really cool, really difficult, really tough thing to watch, but it was so well made, so I am here to strongly recommend it to you. And a lot of people, a lot of you may have already watched it because it was trending at one point as number one in Canada on Netflix. It's a documentary called American Murder, The Family Next Door. My name's Nicole, and I'm calling because I'm concerned about a friend of mine. I dropped her off at her house at 2 in the morning last night, and I haven't been able to get a hold of her this morning. I've gone to her house, and her car is there. She won't answer phone calls. She won't answer text messages. What's her name? Shanann Wath. Hey, guys. My name is Shanann. I just want you to know a little bit of my story. I went through one of the darkest times of my life, and then I met Chris. And he's the best thing that has ever happened to me. So how you doing? How's it going? There was no note or anything. I don't know what to do right now. I've done everything in my heart to make my family's life better. Don't eat turtle. Don't eat turtle. I got turtle. I think about like, did I cause this? Did I make her feel like she needs to leave? She said things were bad and that she didn't know what was going on with Chris. Shanann Watts and her two young daughters went missing in Frederick, Colorado. And as details of their deaths made headlines worldwide, it became clear that Shanann's husband, Chris Watts, was maybe not the man he appeared to be. And it's described as a gripping and immersive examination of the disintegration of a marriage. It debuted on Netflix on September 30th. It is still trending as of Thursday afternoon. It is number three. Hubie Halloween is number one by Thursday afternoon. But this program will be airing on the radio over the weekend. So by now, I would imagine that uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor will be in that mix as well. I suspect that Adam Sandler thing is going to be a huge hit for Netflix, as all of his stuff is. But this documentary, it runs about an hour 25, I think, because when I first saw it, I saw it in the Netflix preview material, and then I saw that it was trending and all that, but I just assumed it was a, a documentary series, which I usually 
usually stay away from. I'll watch the odd one. Like I recently watched that high score video game series, which was great. But with the true crime series, um, rarely I will will I dive into those. But when I saw that it was a movie, I thought, ah, you know what? I'm going to check this out. And it was amazing in terms of the way that it's packaged and the way they choose to tell this story. I've never seen such a something so unique. All of the footage that was included was either stuff that Shanann herself posted on Facebook, or it was body camera footage from police officers, or it was security camera footage from police stations, or you would see text messages go up on the screen. Like the, they had gone into her text messages and they're putting them up on the screen as they go, as they're, as we learn about her life and her family's life. There's no narrator, and I think that maybe was what made it more immersive almost because you had to follow the story just through the details that they chose to present here. And in the end, you learn of a... It's just such a tragic, tragic story. Oh, what's funny is one of our colleagues was telling me about it. She says, oh, yeah, I watched this American murder show and, uh, oh, it's, it's great and blah, 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 blah. And she ruined the story in like 10 seconds because she already knew the story from following it in the news a couple of years ago, whereas I didn't. I missed that story in the news. So I said, well, I didn't really know anything about the, the background of this, so I probably didn't need to know that. But uh, if you are familiar with the story, then you know how it goes. And if you're not... It's uh, the way that they tell this. It's just really compelling. It's an excellent little documentary. I highly recommend it. If you're at all into true crime stuff, if you're at all into documentaries, uh, or if you're just curious to try something different, American Murder, The Family Next Door, it is excellent. So I guess that put me in kind of a true crime mood or something because I then saw that volume two of Unsolved Mysteries was set to debut on Monday, October 19th, so I decided to go back and finish Volume 1. I just can't forget about it. I won't forget about it. I would have never let her go. I think they were probably taken by people who were desperate. I have no memory of the lost time. I saw a lot of lights. All of a sudden, everything erupted loudly. I get goosebumps thinking about it. This case needs to stay open. It should have never closed. I know something happened to him. I know somebody did something to him. What were they hoping to accomplish? I'm here because I think there's hope. I really do. If you know something, please come out. Volume 1 debuted on Netflix on July 1st, and I immediately watched the first episode. I loved it. Then I didn't bother finishing them. Six episodes, I just left it. Maybe because it was July, I don't know. It just This feels like a good October show to watch. It didn't feel like a good summer show, but that's just for me. That first episode, by the way, was called Mystery on the Rooftop. And after rushing from his home, Ray Rivera dis- disappears. Days later, his car is found, and a strange sight at a historic hotel triggers a baffling mystery. And I really enjoyed this just because the, the, the production was fabulous, some great, awesome aerial camera work. And I think that's what separates this from your standard sort of news magazine uh, episode of a, like there's just, there's a lot of, they've taken the time to shoot footage that 
kind of looks like it could have been the real thing, but it's clearly not. Uh, it just, it's, it's really polished. It's very well done. And then the other five episodes uh, of Unsolved Mysteries, uh, volume one, as they call it, the second one was uh, called 15, hang on a second, 13 minutes. So it's about uh, a Georgia hairdresser who there's a 13 minute time span. They've pinned it down to where she was likely abducted. And then she's, she's gone. They got to figure out where she is. There was an episode set in France called House of Terror. And this was really fascinating because it was underneath um, a count, the, the house of a, a, an actual French count. And his family is massacred. And then there, there's an episode about UFOs, which oddly enough, that was the, the one that was the least compelling and when I was a kid, that would have been the one that I would have liked the most because I remember Unsolved Mysteries having a, some supernatural stuff involved and aliens and crap like that. But uh, this time it just, it was good. But the the real life stuff, well, not that this wasn't, they claimed this was real life, but the, the crime stuff I found just a bit more fascinating. Now there is a new trailer for Unsolved Mysteries Volume 2, which debuts on October 19th. The trailer just launched this week. But you don't have any. The footage is haunting. This can't happen. We just had no idea where she could be. She had vanished. Somebody out there knows something. Unsolved Mysteries Volume 2 debuts on October 19th on Netflix. And up next, we got a whole bunch of new movies in theaters this weekend. Jeff's got details coming up right away. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Time to talk new movies now. A lot of the blockbusters, of course, have been pushed back. Uh, right after we got our show in the can last week, they pushed the new James Bond movie back into next year. But there are a lot of non-blockbusters opening this weekend. I count five new movies. Plus, depending on where you live, there will likely be a couple more independent or foreign movies playing. Keep an eye on your local listings all the time. There are weirdly a lot of options right now, despite the lack of big blockbusters. So, new in theaters this week, Liam Neeson once again has found a reason to exact revenge on those who have wronged him in a movie called Honest Thief. I've robbed 12 banks in seven states. I've nine million dollars in cash. I want to turn myself in. I hand over all the money in exchange for a reduced sentence. You thought this through. I met a woman. I want to be with her for the rest of my life without lying about my past. Would you boys look into it? What are we doing here? Confiscating stolen property for our personal retirement funds. If they are willing to kill another agent... What exactly, sir? What are they capable of doing to you and me? My girlfriend. She had nothing to do with this. I'm coming for you. 
So he's retiring, but some dirty cops steal his future and frame him, and he goes on the attack. I don't know why, but I'm continually surprised by Liam Neeson's career swing since Taken. That movie came out 12 years ago. It was a surprise hit, and it seems like all he's done ever since then are these revenge action movies. I think it feels maybe like a weirder thing than it really is just because of the juxtaposition with the kinds of movies Liam Neeson used to do, like all those hoity-toity British period pieces, Schindler's List, etc. But if you like Watching an old man beat people up and talk sternly, honest thief may be for you. He's former Marine. Demolitions expert. I have to finish this. All I wanted was a normal life for Annie and me. Now, I'm going to make things right. My way. This weekend, we also have Robert De Niro starring in a family comedy called The War with Grandpa. You're not putting me in a home. What if it were our home? I want to put up with this, Pete. Can't allow the enemy to invade your base. You got to fight back. Declaration of war. Are you okay, Grandpa? Get in the car. Friend of yours? That's Chuck. You don't need to know about Chuck. What if we have one final competition, winner take all? October 9th, only in theaters. This is not to be confused with Dirty Grandpa, which also starred Robert De Niro and was for grown-ups. The War with Grandpa is based on some kids' books, and it looks like it might be fun. Those are sort of the big movies this weekend. There's a couple of smaller ones as well. There's a new animated movie called 100% Wolf, about a young werewolf who unexpectedly gets turned into a poodle instead. Okay, Dad. Tonight's the big night. I'm ready to be 100% Wolf. Just like you. Freddy Lupin, step into the light. <laughs> Let the wolfing begin. This is for you, Daddy. Say hello to the big bad wolf. <laughs> A poodle. You have until moonrise tomorrow to prove you are a real wolf. Otherwise, you <laughs> will be banished. That movie's actually from Australia. It actually looks pretty fun, too. There's a movie based on the true story of a Saskatchewan farmer who battled Monsanto, and that farmer's played by Christopher Walken in a movie called Percy. Some farmers buy their seeds from the big guys every year to plant. Me? I saved my own. That's what I do. I'm a seed saver. First canola I seen come in this year. That's a lot of money. What do you think? What did that set you back? It's an investment. Package for Mr. Percy Schmeisser. Dad? There's got to be a mistake. I got my own seeds. Monsanto's claiming the canola you grew in 97 contained a technology in the seeds gene that they created. They've come already. Who are those men, Grandpa? Monsanto will say that all of this is their property. Guess we're going to court then. Looks like that one might be pretty good, too, although I find it very hard to believe Christopher Walken as a farmer, only because farmers are, you know, generally kind of down-to-earth people, and Christopher Walken's generally kind of an out-there person. But there you go. It's called Percy. And there's a horror movie called The Curse of Audrey Earnshaw. Failed crops, sickly children. How much graver must our circumstances become? We're bedeviled by something unnatural out there. We are the faithful ones, yet God smiles upon you. Why is that? 
Yes, you should. I couldn't even watch that whole trailer, Brett. It was too disturbing and creepy. I did look up what the movie's about. It says an isolated and devout community ravaged by a plague becomes increasingly suspicious of a woman and her beautiful daughter who remain untouched by any disease. So a variety of things out there, if you like. And we just got to mention one last thing before we go, Brett. We get our first look this week at a new movie called News of the World, which happens to be Tom Hanks' first Western. See all those words? Put them all together, and you have a story. Story. Captain, why are you doing this? Little girl is lost. I'm returning her to her surviving family. Well, you can certainly handle a horse. Horse. That's right. Captain. Make no mistake, Captain. News of the World is set in 1870. Hanks plays a widowed veteran who's become an oral storyteller. He basically rides from town to town sharing news from around the world like a one-man radio. He encounters a 10-year-old girl who has been separated from her family, and he agrees to take her home, and then they run into bad guys and stuff. It's directed by Paul Greengrass, who previously worked with Tom Hanks on Captain Phillips, and, of course, he made a couple of the Bourne movies with Matt Damon. It looks great, hopefully continuing the resurgence. Hanks has seen the last couple of years. I haven't seen Greyhound yet because I don't have Apple Plus TV, but the reviews are pretty good for that. The Mr. Rogers movie last year was great, as was The Post a couple years back, and he had Toy Story 4 recently. Just a few years ago, it was looking a little dimmer than usual for Hanks with bombs like The Circle and A Hologram for the King, although even those were interspersed with Sully and Inferno. It's just that, you know, the bar set so high with Tom Hanks, and especially after that legendary run he had right through the 1990s. The trailer for News of the World ends by saying it'll be in theaters on Christmas, and I don't know why these movies keep trying to predict the future like that. It does look good. Maybe we will actually get to see it this Christmas. Road's closed. Is that the law? It is now. How much you want for her? She's not for sale. The stories on these pages can't get us home. She ain't worth dying for! You can't have her! And I'm taking her home! It's hard. Find any way. News of the world in theaters Christmas. That is all the time we've got for this week. Next week, I will have a review of Volume 2 of Unsolved Mysteries. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CouchPotato68 and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. If you're listening to this on the radio, the podcast version of the show is out by Thursday afternoon. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. <laughs>